Welcome to the meeting of the San Francisco Public Library Commission for May 25th, 2023. The time is 4.30. I'm Margot Schaub and I serve as a Library Commission Affairs Analyst. This meeting is being held in person in the main library CRET auditorium and available to view or listen to on WebEx. Members of the public can observe this meeting using the WebEx system by following the link in the library's event calendar or by calling 1-415-655-0001 and entering access code 2597-061-4854. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely by video or call in for each item on the agenda. We will conduct public comment with attendees in the CRET first and then move to WebEx for, pu for public comment. Each comment is limited to three minutes unless otherwise noted. To make public comment when connected by phone, please raise your hand by dialing star three to be added to the remote queue for the agenda item you intend to comment on. Individuals joining by WebEx should click the raise hand button to be added to the queue. Mike Smith with Media Service Operations will moderate WebEx virtual public comment. Mr. Smith will call upon WebEx attendees by name or by caller number to prompt each attendee who wishes to provide public comment. If we experience any technical issues with WebEx, we will recess and try to address the issue. Please try logging back into WebEx if there are technical problems. Library commissioners in attendance are President Connie Wolf, Vice President Pete Wong, Commissioners Ono, Lomax Giarduzzi, Lopez, and Bolander. Thank you very much and welcome to the May 25th, 2023 meeting of the San Francisco Public Library Commission. To those of us here in Coret, we are delighted to see you and we are very pleased to welcome our virtual audience via the WebEx platform. We have a full meeting ahead and we will start with the Ramatush Ohlone land acknowledgement. The area now known as San Francisco is the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone peoples of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the original peoples of this land, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place. We recognize that we benefit from living, working, and learning on their traditional homeland. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community. If you have not already done so, all the materials for this meeting are available to download on the Library Commission's page of the library's website at sfpl.org. We have a total of five agenda items today. And we will begin with item number one, which is general public comment. Um, operations, could you let us know how many people have joined us via WebEx? Thank you very much. We will start with general public comment here from members of the public in the Coret Auditorium, and then take public comment from members of the public observing or listening through WebEx. Um, just a reminder that this is general public comment, and it is now open here in Coret for anyone who would like to participate. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com. And for those who care about privacy or don't have easy access, 
PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. On Tuesday, the Surgeon General of the United States released a new Surgeon General's Advisory on Social Media and Youth Mental Health. I'll read from a press release. Uh, this was covered on the front page of the New York Times. Uh, it was mentioned at the front page with a story inside on the Wall Street Journal and covered in basically major media outlets and not so major ones. While social media may offer some benefits, there are ample indicators that social media can also pose a risk of harm to the mental health and well-being of children and adolescents. Uh, then he talks about how widespread the use is, with adolescents and children representing a critical stage in brain de development that can make young people more vulnerable to harms from social media, the Surgeon General is issuing a call for urgent action. Let me say that again, urgent action, a call for urgent action by policymakers, of which I think you're one, technology companies, researchers, families, and young people alike to gain a better understanding of the full impact of social media use, maximize the benefits, and minimize the harms. Minimize the harms of social media platforms and create safer, healthier online environments to protect children. I won't go on with much more, but I think you really need to stop touting the social media in all of your publicity that's printed, uh, get social on the at the library, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's a serious issue, and it's now come to that. I have mentioned this every time I've spoken to you for a year and a half uh, with respect to Francis Haugen's testimony about Facebook's toxicity, and you've left it out of all the minutes. I have also asked you for your contact information so that I may get in touch with you occasionally via email. Uh, the library has been found in violation for refusing to provide that, and I'm asking you to send those to Library Users Association email, uh, libraryusers2004 at yahoo.com. Thank you very much. Thank you. Any further public comment here in Coret? Hello, Library Commissioners. My name is Scott Feeney. I'm a proud holder of an SF Public Library card. Um, I am here before you because I'm concerned and alarmed by the revelation that at least one public library branch has been turning off its public Wi-Fi after hours in a deliberate attempt to repel homeless people. Um, this it just doesn't seem compatible with the library's mission of ensuring equal access for all. Um, it was in response to pressure by a supervisor who believed that uh, having homeless people near the library increased crime, but the library's own research shows there's no correlation. Um, and any, anybody who's been homeless uh, and tried to find services will tell you that it's an arduous process of, you know, applying for different services, getting copies of uh, identity documents, like a reissued birth certificate, to be able to exit homelessness and get help. And so 
not only, you know, doesn't this solve homelessness, but it really makes it harder for people to sort their lives out. And I, I just think that's really incompatible with the mission of the library being for equitable access for all. So I'd ask you to uh, keep the Wi-Fi on at all library branches because everyone deserves the right to have access to the internet, including our unhoused neighbors. Thank you. Thank you. Any further public comment? Hi, uh, my name is Marie Sapella, Executive Director of Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. Good evening or afternoon. Um, I'm just going to talk about books uh, in two ways. Uh, we, I wanted to alert every, I mean, not that everyone doesn't know that there's a book banning issue across this nation. And I wanted to have everyone uh, know that there are some resources of the American Library Association where we can all learn much more about this. We are relatively lucky, but who knows? Uh, it's getting pretty bad out there. There are librarians who've been lost their jobs, have to have defense funds at the American Library Association. So there is a website, uh, it's called, oh my God, what's it called? United Against Book Bans, sorry, I just had a, a moment there. Yes, United Against Book Bans, American Library Association, actually the United for Libraries uh, sort of branch of the association that, that works with um, trustees and, and foundations and, and friends organizations. So United Against Book Bans, if you wanna catch up on what's going across uh, on across the country. And then on the other subject of books, we are having a fabulous uh, book sale block party on June 3rd in front of our donation center on 17th Street. Uh, there'll be 10,000 books, vinyls, comic books, the SFPL bookmobile. So they will be there to uh, issue library cards if everyone anyone needs one and do basic outreach for uh, you know how we unify and get books into people's homes uh, through the library and through buying cheap books and giving them away so people can um, can read. And there will also, we're actually doing this in partnership with the Parkside, the Parkside, the the, the bar, sorry, that's what it is. Uh, that's a, it's down the block from us. And inside we will be having some live music and a reading by our Brown Handler residents, uh, our current ones. So you'll get to see the new folks that we've just brought in or are sponsoring with uh, Studio Space. And Lowell Tolhurst, who is an author, he was at Library Laureates, the drummer from The Cure, happened to have written a book and he is also the father of one of our staff members, and he will be there uh, doing a reading from his book as well inside the park side, and then there'll be about 10,000 books outside on the street. And K-Fi Steele, who is the illustrator for Summerstride this year, who is also a Brown Handler resident, we love her dearly, will be button making and doing uh, art uh, activities for the kids outside. So Saturday, uh, this is all happening 12 to 5, 17th Street by Jackson Park. And I'm sure you, we can pass all this and make this. It's all on social media and um, email. So uh, please join us. Thank you. Thank you. Any further comment here in Correct Auditorium? Um, is it okay if I speak because I can't speak during, stay and speak during the Ocean View Library? Okay, thank you. So good afternoon, City Librarian Commissioners. My name is Mary Harris, and I'm president of Oh My Neighbors in Action. I've lived in the OMI for next year, 50 years. I am asking for your continued financial support for the new Ocean View Library at the Brotherhood site 
which would keep costs down and allow our community for community events and outdoor space for classroom and family activities. As you know, we have the smallest city library and the largest amount of school age kids with two elementary schools nearby. The library is a valuable resource for our families, seniors, and hopefully also be a cooling center for heat waves. Excuse me. The longer we wait, the more the library will cost. We have looked at other locations, but this is the best site for our children, for children's terrace and outdoor activities for children. The community does not want a, a combination church, nonprofit, and library, as has been suggested. Um, that's not something we think is a good thing. We were once offered a temporary library at Ocean View Rec Center, and that was just going to narrow the amount of space that we had. It would make it so that you couldn't be noisy because you'd be playing basketball and and trying to have people read in the library so we don't think a combined space will work at all. Um, so I'm ask, here to ask you to please support the Brotherhood location, of course, with traffic and safety um, changes and improvements. And I just like to remind you that we did our part by voting for Prop F for our library. So please stay with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any further public comment here in Caret? Seeing there's no further public comment here in Caret, um, operations, we can now turn to those participants via WebEx. Um, do you have anyone with the hand raised? And if so, would you please put them through? Madam President, uh, we currently have three callers in the queue. I will begin putting them through now. Caller Anastasia, your three minutes begin now. Um, my name is Anastasia Yovanopoulos. I live in District 8, and I'm pleased to come before the Library Commission, but not so pleased to, t to report exactly what Mr. Feeney had told you about. This is a supervisor and staff person who conspired with the neighbors to get the library to turn off the Wi-Fi at night, which would deny, deprive the, the homeless people uh, access to Wi-Fi at night after hours. I think this is really against the library policy of free and equal access. And if this occurs at, again, it, it, I'll bring it to your attention to, for further action. I did admonish the uh, staff and the supervisor of my district, District 8, about it. Thank you. Caller Alyssa, your three minutes begin now. So Chung, I currently live right next to Brotherhood Way uh, with my husband and one-year-old daughter in D11. 
Um, I am a member of two neighborhood groups. We are OMI as well as friends of the OMI mini parks. Uh, we're a group of neighbors dedicated to fostering community cohesion and making uh, more vibrant green spaces in our neighborhood. Um, I'm speaking today as a mom, a resident, and a member of both groups. Um, I would like to voice strong support uh, for the proposed location for the Ocean View Library on Brotherhood Way in Orizaba, a location which has been debated tirelessly. Uh, yesterday, Chief Librarian Michael Lambert told Supervisor Safi that the location was being reconsidered in large part due to safety and parking concerns. Uh, we, we know that these concerns are voiced by a vocal minority. Every neighbor and family I have spoken to wants this library to move forward at Brotherhood Way. Um, I also want to make three points why the site at Brotherhood Way should move forward. Uh, first, I, I find it outrageous that we're simply accepting the status quo, that this intersection is unsafe, and that that's why we're letting that be the reason to prevent the siting of the library here. Uh, why wouldn't we let the siting of a future regional branch library uh, instead be the impetus to make this intersection safer and achieve our Vision Zero goals? Um, if anything, the library's placement here would be more reason to improve this part of the city that is often neglected. Uh, second, the San Francisco County Transportation Authority is actively working to improve this intersection via the Brotherhood Way Safety and Circulation Plan. We are OMI is working with SFCTA planners to ensure this plan considers the future library and makes it a safe place for families, for seniors, and all residents. Um, and third, uh, our group has a vision of making Brotherhood Way a desirable place to walk, uh, to bike, and recreate for all ages. We, we do not accept the premise that Brotherhood Way has to be dangerous and lined with trash. Instead, we envision a Brotherhood Greenway. Uh, we've received grants, including a $148,000 community challenge grant to add a nature play area next to the future site of the library. Um, and a new library would really complete this vision of a more usable and vibrant and safer Brotherhood Greenway. Um, we can't wait any longer for this library and we can't really have any further delay. So please, finalize the Brotherhood Way or Zappa site for the new Ocean View Library. Uh, thank you. Thank you, caller. Caller Joanna, your three minutes begin now. My name is Johanna Miyaki, and my fellow group member Alyssa pretty much said everything that I probably would have wanted to say, um, and maybe even much better, um, as well as my friend Mary Harris, who's also um, a community leader in District 11, um, who I take a cue from. So after a long day of working, I'm putting on my community activist hat, my volunteer hat um, for the two organizations that I lead. We are OMI and Friends of the OMI uh, Mini Parks. Um, in addition, I'm also a new um, representative for the Ocean View Library of the Community of Neighborhood Libraries. Um, so I'm busy and I'm here to implore everyone on the library commission to please um, stay the course with the plan on brotherhood way for all the reasons that my friends Alyssa and mary have listed before you and i'll add one more it's um maybe repetitive slightly but i'm going to say it anyways um we deserve this library um this could be a game changer and really become a, a beacon for a community that is typically overlooked. A new library, state of the art, placed on the Brotherhood Greenway that we envision that would connect to our one of our site projects, the uh, Brotherhood Mini Park, which would then be joined by our na nature exploration area 
and lead into our sisterhood gardens, community garden, and then our vision of um, com completing, having the city repair the Brotherhood Way, um, pedestrian slash biking paths, whatever they're supposed to be, which they're completely unsafe and deteriorated, so that we could have our rightful access to green space at the Lake Merced area. Every community is supposed to have um, access to green spaces within um, a certain amount of time or, or space, and we don't have that. So um, keeping the library there would help become an anchor for what we envision to be a beautiful open brotherhood greenway with a community gathering space and a place to get children outdoors and um, people outdoors enjoying and being active and being healthy. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. Caller Delia, your three minutes begin now. Patrick and I represent a few organizations, Our Kids First, OMI Community Collaborative, Invest Black, and The Good Rule. I've been running program for about 15 years, even though this program has been in place for 30. And we're not able to use the current, lo the current location for the library. And we're in competition with other neighborhood programs. So if we, if the current library only has space for 10 students from the different programs to attend, the Brotherhood Way location would be amazing for our children. This side of town has been um, ignored for so many years. And even though we had full community buy-in, we went to meeting, numerous meetings, I don't understand why this location is still we haven't um, haven't decided. Being that it keeps coming up, I, we must have missed something. And I know that I've talked to um, a librarian and um, I know it's a money thing and I know it's um, there has been opposition, but for the community organizations and neighbors, the Brotherhood Way location would fill in the void of being the runt area of the city. Please approve the location at Brotherhood Way. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Madam President, at this time, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you, um, operations, thank you very much. Um, and thank you very much to all of the people who um, offered their public comment. We greatly appreciate your taking the time and effort to share with you, share with us your opinions and perspectives. Um, at this point, public comment is now closed. We will now move on to item number two, which is discussion and possible action to approve the April commission meeting minutes. Um, we will open public comment before our, our commission discussion on this item. Um, we will begin uh, with public comment from members of the public here and then move to our uh, people making public comment via WebEx. Public comment is now open on item number two.
Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California 94117-0544. The first thing you've done is you have left out the mailbox that I speak every time I identify Library Users Association and myself. Uh, we provide the contact information because we think it's important for those who might want to get in touch, uh, agreeing or disagreeing or whatever, for whatever reason, uh, which they can't do if they're remote. We've only started doing this basically during COVID when all meetings were completely remote and there was no, ba no way for anybody to get in touch with anybody unless the speaker actually said how that's possible. We still have people remotely participating and I myself uh, participated last time remotely. And there's a good reason for that, and I would appreciate your including all of the contact information every time I say it. On item two, approval of the minutes, uh, we once again said that Francis Haugen had testified before the Senate about the toxicity of Facebook, particularly for teenagers and particularly for teenage girls. Uh, the minutes don't show that at all. You have consistently for a year and a half left that out. Um, uh, minutes censor important information. This says like his comments on Facebook and the library should not be touting it and recruiting users and so on. It doesn't mention the toxicity of Facebook um, as described by the testimony of Francis Haugen before the Senate in October of 2021. And that's once again an omission from what I said, and I'm saying it again, and you seem to exclude that from any mention in the minutes. Uh, it's intentional and it's not pretty. Um, there's not that much time to go into uh, a lot of other details, but uh, public comment, our public comment on item four, the city librarians report, we said that the multiple items should, not could, should be discussed as separate agenda items rather than lumping them together. And it's not that it's hard to find magazines in branches. Current magazines are still not always available. During COVID, there was a problem with the library didn't put magazines, current magazines into the library branches. And so for months, it's it, there. they just simply were not there at some places. There's a comma in my uh, comment on item six that does not belong there. It should be no comma. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your comments. Anyone else here in Corret Auditorium wishing to make a public comment on item number two, the April Commission meeting minutes? Seeing there's no further comment here in Corret, we will now begin public comment from members of the public um, via uh, observing via the WebEx platform. Um, operations, if there's anybody wishing to make public comment regarding the April Commission meeting minutes, could you please put them through? Madam President, at this time, there are no callers in the queue. I will pause briefly to allow callers to raise their hand. Madam President, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you very much, operations. Hearing there are no further requests for comment, public comment is now closed on item number two, and we move to commission discussion and action. 
Um, if, if there are no po comments from the um, uh, commissioners, uh, would someone like to make a motion to approve the minutes of the April commission meeting? So moved. Um, a second? Um, we have a motion from um, Vice President Huang and a second from Commissioner Lomax Garaducci to approve the minutes. I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf. Aye. Vice President Huang. Aye. Commissioner Ono. Aye. Commissioner Lomax Giraduzzi. Aye. Commissioner Lopez. Aye. Commissioner Bolander. Aye. The motion passes unanimously. Thank you. We now turn to item number three. Um, this is going to be a very robust and wonderful presentation, and we look forward to it about the branch capital projects um, and the lift update. Um, so I now turn this over to our city librarian, Michael Lambert. Thank you, President Wolf, and good evening, library commissioners. Library staff appreciates this opportunity to present an update on our branch library capital projects including our major renovations of the historic Mission and Chinatown Branch Libraries, as well as the new construction for the Ocean View, Ocean View Branch Library Project. You may recall that we last presented to the Library Commission on this topic last fall at the September meeting. And since that time, we've been able to make significant progress in, in advancing these projects. And this evening, our facilities director, John Cunha, will be co-presenting with our partners from Public Works, Andy Sohn, lead architect. John? Thank you, Michael. Um, good evening, commissioners and city librarian. I'm here tonight with my colleague from uh, Public Works Bureau of Architecture, Andrew Sohn. Our presentation tonight will focus on general updates of our ongoing lift program projects. Andrew will be sharing with you details concerning progress since our last update, exciting design details, some of the challenges we've faced as a result of the global pandemic, and of course, budget updates. Um, as I continue to orient myself with the library and its history, I thought it might be appropriate to share with you some of what I have learned in preparing for this presentation and as means of an introduction to where we are now. So before there was lift, there was blip, the branch library improvement program. This was an incredibly heroic and ambitious effort in which seven new branches were opened and 17 underwent major renovations. Having its genesis in a 2000s voter approved Proposition A, the program saw its first branch reopen in 2005 and concluded with the reopening of the North Beach, North Beach branch in 2014. And I just bring this up because in reviewing this, there were three branches that were obviously missing. Mission, Chinatown, and Ocean View. So now we enter the Library Improvements for Tomorrow program, also known as LIFT. Using the guiding principles of creating libraries for the 21st century, flexible and adaptable building designs, preservation of historic Carnegie libraries, my favorite, um, multifunctional community program areas, transparency and ease of wayfinding, this program began in 2018 as the library partnered with Public Works in developing the 2018 Branch Capital Projects Feasibility Study. The program began quickly. It was checking off requirements from community engagement meetings to design review committees, approvals between 2018 and 2020. 
And at this point, we all know the difficulties which we all face with the COVID-19 pandemic. As it continues to impact us now, the work which was done was impacted and the work which we have yet to do has been heavily impacted by that situation. However, that being said, we are now at a very exciting stage in the LIFT program. In my short time here, we have seen the Mission Renovation Project enter contract with a highly reputable builder. Uh, we're excited about getting an NTP date very soon, notice to proceed date very soon. I have a set of plans in my office currently for Chinatown, which are the 100% design drawings, which basically that means we are very close to having a complete set of construction plans. Chinatown. And of course, as we've already heard, the library is considering promising possibilities for the Ocean View branch. We're all very excited to see the grand reading rooms for both Mission and Chinatown restored to something more akin to their original and impressive glory and provide the people of Ocean View with a new library. So with all that, I will now hand it over to my colleague, Andrew Sohn, who will provide you with all the details and updates associated with these projects. Thank you. Thank you, John. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Andy Sohn. I'm uh, from San Francisco Public Works Bureau of Architecture. I see a few new faces since the last time I was here. Thank you, John. Let's see if this works. Hi, it works great. So tonight, uh, today I'll be presenting the, the Chinatown Mission and Ocean View Branch Libraries. Um, starting with the Mission Branch Library, here's an original view of the building, probably from the 1940s. And these are two images that show uh, some of our intended uh, up updates to the project. So a few up miscellaneous updates to start with. The library will be scheduling a groundbreaking ceremony um, as construction nears, probably in June. Um, we are engaged, Public Works, the City Attorney's Office, and the uh, City Real Estate Division is engaged in a, a license agreement process with the neighboring property to gain access to their backyard so we can do construction there. That's a process that's been going on since the fall, and that is nearing conclusion soon, hopefully. Um, and that's that's an ongoing process with these three entities. Um, PUC and PG&E, you may recall that we had years of engagement over the provision for a primary power service, which exceeds the need for the engineering of the library, but is something that is going to also reach conclusion here in the first week of June when we receive engineering drawings from PG&E. Um, budget and schedule. The budget, uh, the current budget, uh, has gone up significantly in the past year. And this has gone up to $34 million and $80,000. And this is in large part due to construction bids that came in very high uh, last year. Um, and I will talk about that in more detail in a following slide. In terms of the schedule, the temporary library site is already open. And the construction notice to proceed for our SJM Moroso contractors, uh, we hope to do on June 19th. Um, the construction schedule is two years and will conclude in the spring of 2025. So let me talk about the budget and the market factors for this escalation. So uh, we did bid the project in 2022. 
this was a year of what is called hyperinflation, particularly particularly with regards to uh, construction material costs, concrete and steel, and that kind of thing. Supply chain volatility is well documented. Um, our project bid at greater than $6 million over the estimated budget. Uh, the, the hyperinflation was a lingering COVID-19 supply shortage, Ukraine war uh, added to energy uh, price uh, busts. Uh, the 2022 Bay Area um, Bidding market saw 17% one-year average escalations, and with you know many projects going to 25 or 30 percent higher. Um, other factors for this is that our project is a small project, uh, and it, but it's also a very complex project. So the small project may have deterred larger contractors from bidding, and um, the complexity may have deterred some small contractors from bidding. We had three bidders. At the, at the outset, one bidder was disqualified due to a technicality, and uh, we would prefer, so that left us with two. We would have preferred to have four or five. Um, so these are the reasons behind that we think are the reasons behind this, uh, this issue we had with our bids. Chinatown Library, uh, I'll go through the same thing. This is a picture of the building on Powell Street. Um, in keeping with the library's commitment to community engagement, uh, we will be having three community meetings in August. Uh, the chief of branches has probably announced those, and if not, she will shortly. There will be two in person and one virtual. Uh, John Cunha has initiated a process with the city real estate division to find a temporary site for the project um, so that it will be in place prior to construction start uh, in 2024. Uh, Recognizing the challenges of, of the, the power situation in San Francisco, we've, you know, we're engaged with PUC and PG&E now. We did have some good news in that PG&E will be grandfathering this project under the previous uh, distribution tariffs. And that sounds like good news, but um, we're still determining what limitations may accompany that good news. Um, this is a picture of the existing building, and this is some of the reasons why we're doing the project. The image on the right is the community room. The image on the left is the historic reading room with the mezzanine and the steel bracework that's in that room. I'll go through the floor plans really quickly, um, starting with the ground floor plan. To orient you, the right-hand side of the page is Powell Street. The red arrows uh, are entries into the building. As you can see, we'll be greatly expanding the community room into a much larger room that's organized with the architectural uh, layout of the, of the structure of the building. You'll enter the building in, in a, what we're calling the gallery, and that's in the lower right-hand uh, side of the page, and it will have uh, an exhibit area, the ability to be an exhibit area. It will also open to the community room and can serve as an anteroom to that community room. So the historic building is a rectangle to the right-hand side of the page and the large black lines demark the, the, the 1995 addition to the left. To the left will be the children's room, and in the middle of that children's room uh, is a story time, a flexible story time area. There's a staff work room and new public restrooms, but another main, main feature of the, of the project will be right down the center, you see a stair and an elevator. That'll be a connecting feature that takes you um, through, the, through the building. 
on the main floor going up the building. The entry is up the, up the uh, ornamental stairs on the outside. The main feature will be the restored historic reading room. The mezzanine and bracing will be demolished out of that room. There will be tables and chairs and, and low book stocks, and, uh, and it'll be restored to its 1920s uh, grandeur to the left. The 1995 edition will be adult collections and teen collections. In the upper left, you'll see that we're going to provide a dedicated teen room. Uh, that we will have three new study rooms. The library doesn't have study rooms now. Additional restrooms on the lower right. Those are the pink um, boxes on the lower right. A self-service area, and again, that stair that goes up through the building, connecting the building together. Going up the building, um, the mezzanine, we will maintain the mezzanine on the, on the 1995 edition while demolishing it on the right-hand side of the page there. The mezzanine will now house a conference room, which will be publicly available, and a staff break room. These will overlook the uh, reading areas below. There will be a public restroom and a staff restroom on that floor, and the stair that goes through the building will connect via a bridge to this mezzanine. The roof, um, the roof now has a, a roof terrace that's buried back behind the mechanical equipment on the 1995 edition, which is the area where you see solar panels in light blue. We intend to move the roof terrace to the front of the building on the historic uh, portion of the building and bring that stair right up through the roof and the elevator through the roof. All the equipment will be tucked away behind. This is a cross section through the building on the right hand side. Uh, you see Powell Street and the historic cable uh, car railway steps as you go to the left steps leading up to the two story reading room. And then the adult, adult and teen areas beyond also a two story space, the children below the community room below, and then that stair and elevator that march up through the building and land you at a roof terrace. So these are some perspective views of, of, the, of the building. This is the entry to the children's room on the ground floor. On the left is the welcome desk. On the right is a stair that goes up the building. There will be a playful entry feature for the, for the kids. This is a view inside the children's story time room. This room will be located centrally in the building. It's a flexible space with um, fun furniture that tucks away into the wall. The finishes will be fun, such as the felt ceiling that's there and the, the sort of image of the dragon mural beyond. This will get further development, but you get, get the sense. Um, up on the main floor in the adult collection, you see the main information desk right in, right in the middle there with the staff workroom to the right. The stair and the elevator are, are beyond, and you can see the bridge that connects the stair to the mezzanine. And this is the historic reading room. This is double height space. It's the, it's the architectural heart of the building. We're restoring it to its 1920s grandeur. And um, while we're doing that, we are demolishing the, the mezzanine and the bracing that goes with it. But that is no small feat because those things are structurally relevant pieces that hold up the building. So in order to do this, we're going to replace that bracing and the mezzanine with steel uh, and concrete sandwich plates is an innovative structure that's going to be implanted into the wall beyond with um, the finishes restored on the outside. So all that structure will be hidden within the wall. 
um, the library is uh, committed to providing teens a dedicated room, and this uh, library does not have that space. We will be uh, in the corner of what's now the adult reading room. It's a well-lit double-height space. It's going to have comfortable seating that will be good for collaboration or for kids studying alone together as they do. It's going to feature many books, as you see, but it will also have uh, a media panel, and there's a potential for um, a gaming uh, a gaming center in this in this space. So in a part of the city that has little open space, we're going to be able to provide a respite from the street below. And as you emerge from this stair and elevator, you will be greeted with 360 degree views. In this view, you're looking up Knob Hill and Russian Hill to the west. And then as we face east, you're going to be greeted with views of Transamerica Tower, Coit Tower, Berkeley, and the Bay and beyond. So back to the budget and schedule. I want to talk for a minute about this because we're, we're doing a lot of lessons learned from the Mission Library. So this project budget is currently stands at $37.3 million, which is higher than the $32.4 million we were at a year ago. This Price, this cost increase came with the 2022 hyperinflation when our total construction cost, which is a portion of this, pro these are the project costs. This is the total project cost. The construction cost is a portion of this. And that construction cost went up $7.3 million from May 2022 to winter 2023 with no change in scope. Um, that was the period of hyperinflation. To help manage costs moving forward, Embedded in this cost is $5.4 million of project contingencies, 14.5% of the $37.3 million of project contingency. And a little background on how we generate these costs. When we're done with this project, we will have created five cost estimates with the same high-quality cost estimator um, who did the budget that we based the $32.4 million um, budget on. The last two estimates, one was in November of 2022, and we just had one in April. They were within $20,000 of each other, which signals that our scope is well-defined and that the inflation that we see now has leveled off. It's still high at 7%, but it's leveled off. To increase the bidding pool, we intend to do a lot of contractor outreach and the, you know, with the goal of getting four to five prospective bidders. And risks still include external threats such as a bidding climate and that that type of uncertainty. Um, the electric service and and uh, we're still a little unclear about the details of what what PG&E uh, is is allowing us to do. And then the the complexity of the structural design inside the historic reading room is something of a risk. In terms of the project schedule, we'll have the community meetings in August. Uh, design will conclude this fall in November. Uh, we'll permit from September until uh, spring 2024. And uh, the, we'll bid uh, starting in November and concluding in the spring with two years of construction. So late summer 2026, you should have a renovated library. Ocean View Project, these images are of the original building, the existing building and the, the map of the neighborhood and community meetings that we held uh, a year, about a year ago. Um, currently, in terms of updates, there are two independent and different 
planning efforts for the Brotherhood Way corridor near the, near the potential site that we showed at Brotherhood Way in Orizaba. The first is the SFMTA um, Brotherhood Alamany Safety Improvement Project, better known as BASIP. Um, and that is for, that's strictly a safety project by MTA. Um, it was prompted uh, by, uh, by our team. And it's for signalized crossings for Alamany and Brotherhood Way and possibly Sagamore and Orizaba. The design and engineering for that will uh, take us through 2025 and implementation of that work would be in 2026 to 2028. The other um, effort that's underway, which was mentioned previously by uh, callers, is the Brotherhood Way Active uh, Transportation and Open Space Plan by San Francisco County Transportation Authority, which is something of a think tank uh, with transportation um, issues. It is part of the Connect SF uh, San Francisco Long Range Multimodal Transportation Plan that's for this area. And they, I, they are starting with a needs analysis and community engagement that should be underway, and they will have a District 11 focus group. So um, we concluded a, what's called a preliminary project assessment, or PPA, last April with the San Francisco Planning Department. And um, while the planning department is supportive of, of the library project and even a library project on this, on this greenway, there were concerns noted. One was pedestrian access and safety of the proposed Orizaba site. They also suggested that the project be in alignment with the CTA's plan for the active open space, whatever planning transpires there, which is still to come. Uh, their third consideration that they asked for was co-location of other public facilities to uh, enhance the community impact of whatever we build there. So that was part of that uh, PPA. And while there is widespread community support for building the new library, there has also been a consistent community feedback questioning pedestrian safety and accessibility for that site. So as SFMTA and SFCTA uh, proceed with their independent studies, the library will continue to consider site options. And the library will be working with um, the city real estate division to um, gauge the current real estate market and explore these options. Um, the library has said that there will be community design charrettes occurring in late summer or fall. So those dates are TBD. TBD. So Favorite slide, budget and schedule. The project budget is $47 million. Um, currently, the library has been building this budget through annual appropriations, so that uh, budget is, is there. That budget was um, based on an assumed 20,000 square foot library that we helped program, and the budget is based on a 2019 estimate with an assumed midpoint of construction in 2023, which is obviously not happening. The 2019 budget was also based on the use of city land with no site acquisition costs included. So the budget will be reevaluated as the extent of the building program, the community need, and the final location are decided. Um, the, the project schedule is mostly around the, tra the traffic and planning studies that are underway now uh, with community meetings uh, coming in the late summer or early fall. Again, site selection is an ongoing prog process as the traffic studies and the community process unfolds. And that concludes my presentation.
Thank you, Andy. Thank you, John. Um, thank you very much for that very robust and informative presentation. Before we open this up for um, commissioners' response and um, questions, um, I would like to open this up to public comment. We'll begin with public comment here in Corret Auditorium and then move to participants via WebEx. So if there's anybody here in Corret who would like to make public comment, public comment is now open. Hi, my name is EJ Jones, and I'm a lifelong resident of the Lakeview online community. First, I want to thank the commission and city librarian Lambert for taking the time to listen to community voices as they have requested investment into a new library for the Lakeview online community. As many neighbors commented during the March meeting, and as some of our elders mentioned earlier today, this library is something that the community has advocated for for many years. Additionally, I support the idea of the Brotherhood at Orizaba location. That particular location provides a space for a large, li for a large library that will be able to accommodate school-aged children and their families. I'm in support of a standalone library, and as you heard during the earlier public comment, many other community members do as well. Lastly, in regards to traffic and safety, the intersection is unsafe with or without the library. We as a community and as a city have the ability to solve for two things at once, and we should not allow this to be the reason that we don't provide our neighbors with the library that they deserve and in a timely man manner. We can solve for this issue together. We understand that the costs increase each day that we wait, which is why we ask that you move swiftly on this project. Again, I'd like to thank you for your support of San Francisco's libraries and for your time today. Thanks. Thank you. Um, any further public comment? Peter Warfield, head of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. We are certainly interested in good libraries, better libraries for everybody. Uh, so I'm going to make some comments of a more general nature. And the first of those is that uh, there is a four-letter word that we rarely hear spoken here. I think I heard it once during the presentation, and that's the letter, the four letters in the word B O. Okay, and that's concerning what the priorities are here. Uh, there are no shelving counts of linear feet of shelving. There's no book counts for what exists currently and what the improved library will provide. I'm not saying that it won't provide an improvement, but that is a standard measure a standard statistic when you are building something that is going to contain books, periodicals, newspapers, other materials for the public, counts of what you are building to provide for. And I don't see that here. And I know that for the few meetings that I attended, there was never any uh, commitment of any kind either as to what the current status was or what the future status would be. And that concerns me a great deal. When you look at the, the, the pictures, many of the shelves are completely empty. There's hardly anybody reading anything. In the reading room, there's a bunch of people sitting. There's nothing on the tables. They're not reading anything. 
on the roof, people are walking or standing around. Occasionally, there's somebody with a handheld, somebody in front of a computer. I'm not saying nobody is shown, but it's very, very, very few. And that concerns me as well. Finally, with respect to the publicity for the upcoming meetings, I appreciate hearing this whole report, including that there are going to be public meetings. But in the past, the public meetings have been very poorly and not very widely publicized. They've been sent to people on mailing lists. But there has been very little publicity, including at this commission. I think it would be appropriate for this commission and in other ways for there to be publicly available meeting announcements so that people who might be interested in an improved library can hear about it, not just in the neighborhood, but citywide. People use libraries everywhere in town and use various ones. Uh, so I would appreciate a commitment to public, well-publicized meetings. Thank you. Thank you very much. Further public comment? Thank you. I'm Rebecca Charnas Grant, Vice Chair of the Board of Directors of the Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. Thank you for that very helpful um, presentation. Friends is very gratified to see the progress on the branch renovations. This is really exciting for all of these communities. And we are ready to raise the funds needed for the furniture, fixtures, and equipment for both the Mission and Chinatown branches. And we'll be prepared to do the same for an Ocean View branch. Like we did for the branch library improvement program, we look forward to bringing the inside of each library branch to life with the resources needed for books and materials, for creating reading and study in community spaces that all people in the library can benefit from and supplying the technology and equipment that is going to help these libraries become the places we need for today and for moving forward. Um, so we just wanna say um, thank you for the continued work and we look forward to partnering on these projects. Thank you. Thank you very much. Further public comment? Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Kayla Grog and I live in Russian Hill and this is my first time making public comment. Um, and I'm here because I'm so excited. <laughs> the Chinatown branch is my branch and um, has been for the last five years um, since I moved to that neighborhood. Um, and it is currently a little uninspiring. And this finalized design, I'm so stoked for. <laughs> um, and so I just wanted to encourage you that uh, the community is excited and we're ready um, and uh, there needs to be more outdoor space, more space for teenagers, more space for children. Um, and this design provides all of those things. So I uh, hope that you would uh, put a big check on it because uh, even though it's going to cost more money, um, the design is awesome and we're really excited for it. Um, and I look forward to giving more feedback um, in the community meetings. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, any further public comment here in Coret? Seeing no further public comment here in Coret, we will now open public comment um, via our WebEx um, participants. Uh, members of the public who wish to make public comment on WebEx, please press star three to line up to speak or raise or press the raise hand button. 
operations. If there are any commenters in the remote queue, please begin to put them through. Thank you. Madam President, there is one caller in the queue currently. I will put them through now. Caller Lena, your three minutes begin now. I was born and raised in Chinatown. I now work at a nonprofit in Chinatown. And I also want to share how super excited I am for the floor plans for the new Chinatown branch, especially the dedicated teen space. Um, as you know, the SRL living situation in Chinatown is so crowded and the library is really a space for people to stretch their legs and especially for our youth, you know, to do their homework on proper tables and chairs instead of on their bunk beds. So they really needed that dedicated space. So I'm so happy to see that on the main floor plan. Um, I'm a little curious about the three new study rooms, if there will be priority for teens and students, especially during after school hours. Um, since there are only three. Um, and then lastly, I'm really excited to also to see that the mezzanine um, has a conference room because we really need more community uh, spaces in Chinatown. So I'm looking forward to the community meeting and I can't wait to see this all uh, come, come true. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Caller Matthew, three minutes begin now. I'm an active member. Oh, uh, I'm not sure if I'm able to be heard. We can hear you, caller. Can? Yes. Okay, terrific. So Matt Keniston, uh, I'm on the board of the Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. I'm super enthusiastic about the opportunity to uh, offer public comment. I wanna first thank the board, uh, also city librarian, Michael Lambert and Andy for his thorough explanation of the space and the financials as we consider the renovations of the Chinatown branch and the exploration for the other branches. Um, in particular, I'm uh, selfishly a, a little uh, disappointed with the Chinatown branch renovation because it looks so good. And I think that the Chinatown branch is one of the city's best kept secrets. It's my go-to branch whenever I'm long in the queue for a book because I'm inevitably able to find my lucky day shelf uh, or the, the book on the lucky day shelf when I'm there. The uh, China Brand Chinatown branch design, open architecture, the hearkening back to the 1920s, uh, the, uh, the airiness of it, I think is extraordinary. And I'm really excited to uh, lean in along with the rest of the board on, at the Friends to exploring how I personally and we as an organization can support the library and, uh, and, and really celebrate the redesign when it's completed in a couple years times. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. Caller Delia, your three minutes begin now. Uh, this is Delia Fitzpatrick. And the fact, I appreciate the fact that um, everyone is in support of, you know, Chinatown, but I find it very disrespectful for those that are in um, Ocean and Lakeview, oh my, that are still waiting for a branch that's, that can fit this large community that has the highest amounts of seniors and and children. 
to have to wait till 2028, is that what it's, 2028 for a library that can fit and and give children the, the emotional and support that they need, this is quite disrespectful. And it, and it should be a whole lot further. And we should be, we should already have um, our plans in order to make this right. There's no way that we don't have a proposed site if we are all at the started at the same point at the at the starting line. This is disrespectful. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Madam President, there are no further callers in the queue. Uh, commissioners, I just want to begin by thanking John and Andy for their very informative and thoughtful presentations. Um, it is incredibly exciting that we have three different projects, each at a different phase, to just keep us propelling forward. And I know time is always of the essence when we are working on these, but uh, we also know there are so many factors at play. Just want to also acknowledge the friends and their partnership in making sure that we um, move advances in the best ways possible. Um, so, John, I know you're still somewhat new, but I just uh, want you to know that we have a lot of work ahead for you. Uh, you've created it, and we're really delighted you are part of the team. So I would like to open this up for questions, comments, and Andy and John, if you could be available to respond, that would be fantastic. Um, commissioners, who would like to make comment? Um, uh, Commissioner Bolander. Uh, thanks very much uh, for the presentation. I've got some questions about the budget overruns and the details of that. I don't know if we have a process if things do go over by a certain percentage that we do have to have a detailed explanation as to why. Um, I'm assuming sort of the gaps in the budget, we would have to either find those funds and or sort out a new budget, I guess would be the process. I'm just curious because especially in the mission one, you know, 37% overage, even though 6 million of that is budget overage, you know, another 13%, 17% inflation. It just seems a bit excessive, to, just to be honest. I know, okay, construction costs, et cetera, but I I get a sense that, I don't know, it, it, it just seems way out of whack. And I would like an explanation as to, you know, where all of these detailed, I mean, the details of where the costs are going. And then, of course, we have to figure out how to pay for it. So that's because that's a big deal. I mean, we're talking almost 10 million for just mission alone, which is a lot of money. So any comments on that? Any ways we can get additional information so we can do that? Thank you for the question, Commissioner. And I will certainly tee it up for Andy. And we also are joined by Lourdes Garcia, Senior Architect for the Department of Public Works. We also have our CFO, Mike Fernandez, in the audience. Um, for these two projects, Mission and Chinatown, we are fortunate because we have a one-time circumstance in that we applied for some state money. There's a building forward infrastructure grant process. Uh, the state legislature appropriated um, approximately $432 million for library capital projects. And San Francisco was one of the fortunate 
municipalities that was able to secure some of that money, uh, totaling $13.2 million for our municipality. And um, that breakdown is split amongst Chinatown and Mission. So whereas originally we thought this money would free up resources for other capital projects, it turns out we're going to need every penny of those grant dollars to cover the cost escalation um, for Mission in Chinatown. But um, Andy's here and Lourdes is here, so I, I'll turn it over to them so that, so that they can elaborate more on the cost escalation. I mean, we, we keep, is this on? Uh, we, keep, we keep detailed budgets, obviously, of, of every line item that go into a project. And when you have a, a cost overage like we did with, with our bids, you know, it, it, it evaporates your, any contingency that you were holding. Um, furthermore, we had other external factors, um, including additional fees for construction management that we didn't anticipate and, um, and other regulatory things that are not within our department. So but we do have detailed estimating on that. With Chinatown, that has been uh, tracking uh, very closely to the budget with the exception of the construction cost bust. Um, and as I said before, we did estimate that with the same cost estimator. And really the project design has not changed radically since we did the feasibility studies in 2018. So um, it, it does feel surreal. And um, we're not the only project that is sharing that feeling right now. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to get your feet under you and in a time with this kind of uncertainty. And I, I hope that is leveling off now. Okay, so in your estimation, this is a one-time type of thing? Or, I mean, it, is there, it just feels like there's a systematic problem as opposed to just one time, you know, look, I can write off COVID or, you know, you war in Ukraine, et cetera, as things level off. I just, just seems that all of these projects always have overruns. And I know, look, you know, you've got three, four years, you got to figure that out. I get it. But it just doesn't seem like a very robust process, I guess, to use your, one of your words, um, to, to make sure that these estimates are locked in. Cause again, we had a, like, we would have had $13 million to go spend on something else. Now we got to spend it on this. And it's not insignificant, and we could have no. put that towards Ocean View. We could have put that towards other programs. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I really, I think we need to know the details of where these things are happening. And 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 I appreciate the numbers, the the, the high level numbers. That's great, but it just seems to me that the devil's in the details here. And and because again, I'm I'm glad we got the thirteen million dollar. What happens if we didn't have that? We'd have to go find that money somewhere else. And that means it comes out of other programs because again, these three projects are something we committed to. We had budget on. Um, they're all they're already delayed. We've got, of course, a lot of communities that are eager and waiting for these types of projects. And I just just feel that it's just not either it, the process just seems a little broken and I would like a little more detail on like, okay, this is where the overruns are. This is a one-time thing. This is not going to happen again. We've got controls in place. If things do get out of hand, we have to come, I mean, just what in the norm, like when I've, when I've done these for other, like for companies, right. Um, these kind of cost overruns would be like, you're out done, you know, we'll go find someone else. And, and I know that we don't have that luxury and, or, you know, there's other processes that have to be adhered to, but 
you know, we take it very seriously, the amount of money that we get from the community. And I just don't want to see it squandered on something that we either could have avoided or that are, you know, again, I'm not saying it's that. I just really need to understand this and lock this down because, again, could use that money for something else. And if it's a one-time thing, great, then I'll feel good and we'll just move on. But I get the sense that that's not the case. So I just. I just want to say that I think that we have to contextualize all of this and what is happening in the world. And I do think that we have had regular updates by our library teams um, around the costs. And the costs have been steadily increasing across all city projects, across all the state of California, across all counties throughout the state of California. So to think that our, that somehow or another that this is not being respons responsive to the things that are happening in the environment, I think is a little bit of not giving our management the credit that they deserve. So I'm sorry, Jory, but I just think that that your questioning is um, is um, is not it, it's not really following in regard to the things that they've been doing, and I just feel like that that um, I just think we could do a better job in supporting them. Well, I don't I don't think it's a matter of not supporting. It's just de details. I just think we need more detail. I think it's I think it's this is hard, right? Because um, on one hand. Um, a lot of us are bringing in our context is coming from largely sort of uh, non public sector situations where um, your your um, what you can do if something goes wrong is a different set of actions and then also your feedback cycles are a lot shorter here right like we're dealing with uh, years at a time right before we hear anything and sometimes it's just like okay the feeling that you have to get it right. Uh, and that one shot is that much more pronounced and in certainly for for me and, and for you, Commissioner Bolander, like in the private sector, it is like you're working off of hours or days or weeks, right? It's like a much different situation. Um, but I, I, I do think I, I take a little bit of uh, hope in at least the Chinatown process seems to have gone a little bit better so far, at least uh, in, in terms but of the budgeting stuff. Chinatown, right? we've endeavored to learn from Mission Library. And so the city is, is highly regulated and highly high compliance process. And any project, even if you were outside coming into the city, would be highly regulated and a high, high degree of compliance. And these things take a long time. And there have been um, challenges along the way with, with the Mission Project, primarily how complicated it is to do. And, and it's an ambitious project. Um, in this day and age with the structural requirements, the neighbor requirements, the, reg the environmental requirements, and then the COVID challenges and those delays and, um, and the economic factors, they've been highly challenging. So with Chinatown Library, part of, part of creating that higher budget was to build in contingency, which is, is ample. Um, in order to manage from the contingency rather than manage by adding money to the budget. Um, and I know that Maureen Singleton, the COO, is very hot and bothered about getting this right in the future and learning from these, uh, particularly the Mission Library project. Can I speak to that for a second? Yeah, sure. I mean, most of it's been covered, but I just, I kind of want to reiterate, um, in, in my time here, um, especially with Maureen's tutelage. I mean, she 
definitely drilling down on the details. Um, and we have a great relationship with the Board of Architecture, but I mean, voices have been raised for sure. Um, and the one thing that I have seen to your point is the process going from Mission to Chinatown has been very different. And um, especially Andy, very, very conscientious guy. I know he wears this stuff very heavily. And he seems to be endeavoring very, very much to uh, learn from the mistakes on mission. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not that for not saying that there's not high level yeah. of integrity and thoughtfulness sure. and intent. I think if mission is a one-off and we're like, we learned the, you know, $10 million lesson, sure. fine. I'm fine sure. with that. I just, again, and, and I don't, it's not that my, it's, it's not that I apply the same standards to the private sector that we apply to the public sector. I, I, I get the difference in the level of complexity. Right. I get that. That, that. That's not where I am have a problem. It's we estimated one and now it's $10 million above the, I mean, I didn't even estimate that. I'm like, hey, okay, I, I trust that. We need to know why. And if it's gonna continue to have these kind of different things, we just need to know that. Because yeah. again, we gotta find the money. No, like, and I, I, I totally am yeah. in agreement with you yeah, on yeah. this. And that's why I've been keeping such a close eye on Chinatown saying, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is this going? Right. And have we learned yeah. what happened? Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we are heading that okay. direction. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying that that there's I'm not saying there's incompetence. I'm not saying that the global economic factors, et cetera. Like again, I get it. It's a hard thing. I mean, we're trying to get back to our levels of people actually in the library. We're at 60, 65 percent. 33% um, of downtown is occupied. I mean, 70% of it's not. It's like a ghost town. It's the worst. We're the worst city of all major cities that haven't rebounded. So the challenges are great. I get that. But that just also means that like, we should pay attention to the numbers. And I know the staff does. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that. My, my, my point is not that I don't think people aren't, don't care. I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if, if I, I hope this is a one-off because then we can like learn from it and that's fine. But it's, it's important because again, we are entrusted with a budget that the citizens give us to provide services and we need to use that responsibly. And yeah, all the issues and challenges that they go with that, it's a responsibility we have to take seriously. And I appreciate everyone's no, received. thought on that. Okay. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you so much for that feedback, Commissioner Bolander. And I, I just want to add that when these projects started, San Francisco was probably the fifth most expensive construction market in the world. We've now surpassed Tokyo, and San Francisco is now the number one most expensive market in the world for construction. That being said, I just want you to know that we have all taken your feedback to heart. And, you know, one thing we can do moving forward is bring greater detail when we're talking about the budget and the cost structure and the differentiation between construction cost and the soft cost associated with the Department of Public Works. Uh, most recently, Marine has been working very closely with our colleagues at the Department of Public Works to examine the fee structure and examine uh, whether or not there's any opportunity to, you know, cut cost and reduce some of the fees, knowing that we may have to give up something that these bureaus are doing for us. Uh, but I, I just want you to know that we are listening to you and, and taking this to heart. Um, I, I just like to add on to that if I could, I think it would be very useful when we're looking at these numbers moving forward. 
even when we're on budget, is to analyze the hard costs versus the soft costs and also understand where value engineering is playing a role in this because I'm sure value engineering is where everything kind of can change and different materials and and we may want to um, not value engineer certain things out because we feel like long term that's not a good decision. So I think that those kinds of conversations could be brought to the commission to be as supportive as possible and be as visionary and bold as possible. Just cutting, 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 sometimes you just lose something in the process. And I know that that's not what you want and that's not what I want. But if we can even understand the hard cost versus the soft cost, that just helps us understand like what we don't have control over. Yeah, so the the way our budgets are built are, are operational costs such as the furnishings um, and what are called project controls, which are what you were calling soft costs, but they're not all soft. There's a very broad thing that goes under project controls. It includes our fees, our engineers' fees, but it also includes all, all the regulation stuff too. And then the hard cost is, is the total construction cost. Um, but in terms of value engineering, just the reason I stood back up was because these are small projects. I mean, they're not big buildings. If you're doing 300,000 square foot office building, you can lop a floor off. You can make the carpet cheaper. You can make the ceilings cheaper. You can change the wall. With a small little jewel box of a library, that's kind of the project. It's hard to, you know, it would be very hard to get it, anything of value out of it um, in terms of value engineering. So the smaller the project, the more challenging that becomes. Well, One I, other I, thing I'd, I'd just like to mention, um, we've also been discussing with our partners at Public Works about how we can improve the cost estimating, because that's another area where we may have room for improvement. Yes. Yeah, so the way the way we work is we have a lot of in-house engineering and things like that, but we also have consultants from outside that are on on our what are called as-needed contracts, and all of our cost estimating is is from as-needed contracts. Our cost estimator on the Chinatown project is is a very well-regarded uh, estimator, Sailor Associates, and uh, but we 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 are going to try and improve our pool of as-needed uh, uh, cost estimators, and we're also meeting with them. Lourdes is is heading that up so that we can sort of get in front of these concerns because we're not the only department with these concerns. You're not the only department. Sandy. Hi, commissioners. I just feel I need to like um, uh, say something. Um, I really appreciate all your comments because um, we feel it. We feel it too. It's not fun you know, to work on a project for years and then got it, get slammed at the end with something you weren't kind of expecting. So I, I, I totally understand that. Um, that being said, to, to Michael's comment on the estimators, we're taking a completely different approach for Chinatown. We, and and it, this is not just the library. My section also does a lot of work for other, other departments in the city, the fire department, the police department, the libraries, and every department is going through the same thing. We're evaluating every single project. Every single project is going through value engineering right now. Uh, which is unfortunate, but when you have a cap amount and you are relying heavily on your cost estimators um, and we're using private sector cost estimators, then that relationship, I mean, it's got to be solid because they are the experts and they're kind of guiding our path forward and our decision-making process forward. Um, we did discuss with the library having a... Um, 
uh, a partnership in holding tight to budgets. And that means sometimes we may be the bad guy and we may have to say, this is your budget and we can't add more scope to that. And here are the options. So let's decide what you want to have within that budget because that's the reality right now. And that's a partnership that we did agree on. Um, we just can't keep adding and adding and adding because we, we don't have the money and that's just the way it is. Um, so we are taking it seriously and I wanted you to know that. Uh, there are very detailed budgets all the way along. Um, I expect Chinatown to really stay close to the number that we're holding and and we'll know each time at each uh, um, estimate. We're, we're gonna do another one soon. We just finished 50% design development, right? I mean, 100% design development. We'll do another one mid 100% uh, construction documents, which will have more detail and we'll do another one at the end. So we can see if there's things that we have to cut out along the way, then we have to make those decisions. And, and that's just where we're at. Thank you. No, I, I appreciate that. And I also appreciate the comment that other departments are feeling the same thing. I, I, I didn't think it was just us. And I do appreciate your uh, willingness to partner with us and you know be that good uh, relationship between this. Because again, I mean, yeah, it may be a small for like billion dollar bill, but it's still a lot of money to us, <laughs> as you know. Um, but I do appreciate it. And again, I'm not, we just need to understand this stuff so we can plan for it. That's like the most important thing. And hey, if things go over, they go over for good reasons. That's, that's life. But I, again, I just feel these are surprises. And I, I personally don't like surprises. <laughs> not, a, not a fan. So just so everyone knows. Thank you. Um, thank you for that very um, informative and lively conversation. Um, um, Commissioner Ono has a comment or a question. Thank you. Um, thank you, John and Andy. I've, I've been on the commission long enough. I've seen you many times, Andy, and I appreciate um, everything that Public Works has done for the library. And I appreciate the discussion we had because there's some of us that are new and some of us that are old, but being on the commission, we are responsible and we do have a job to do. And I appreciate all of the questions about the budget, um, but I do respect what Public Works has done and how you've come through for us so many times. And I do have to say the mission branch is a very unique one. I mean, fighting with the um, PG&E and PUC, all these different issues that came up, um, it's a lesson learned, and I'm glad we're going to learn from that and move forward with Chinatown and also with Ocean View. Um, but saying that on Ocean View, I do have a couple of questions about some of the studies and why is it taking two years for SFMTA and SFCTA so long to do what we, what the community and we want done a little bit faster. Thank you for the question. Um... Last fall, uh, I met with Director Tumlin and Director Tilly Chang. So Director Tumlin, SFMTA Director, and uh, Tilly Chang, SFCTA Director, they were gracious enough to meet me out at the Brotherhood Way or Azaba intersection. And we had uh, 
Andy Sohn was there from Public Works. We had other library staff there. And it was an exercise to really visualize what needs to happen there. And it was very powerful. Um, we got to see some seniors trying to cross that roadway at 8.30 in the morning in rush hour traffic. And, um, you know, it was a harrowing experience for them. And so it became very clear to Director Tumlin and uh, Director Chang the need uh, for some studies there. And um, the SFCTA had already secured grant funding. We actually, as a department, wrote a letter of reference for them to secure that funding from the state. So they are looking at the Brotherhood Way uh, intersection, a longer term vision that would reclaim part of that roadway and make approximately seven acres of green space for that southern part of the city. Um, SFMTA is commissioning an independent study. Um, they recognize that improvements need to be made to that roadway, irrespective of whether the library is sited at that intersection or not. And they have commenced that work um, earlier this year. And that is why the library is monitoring those traffic studies, because we need to better understand you know, what commitments are going to be made, what mitigation can be performed to make that site uh, safe and responsive to the cumulative community feedback that we've received. Uh, with regards to the SFCTA study, which is a longer term, more ambitious study and vision for Brotherhood Way, the planning department identified that study in the preliminary planning assessment that they provided to the library. And they provided us three key project considerations. One of the key project considerations is to wait for the outcome of that SFCTA study. Because from the planning department standpoint, if that work on Brotherhood Way does commence, they feel that there's value in reciting the library more centrally further down Brotherhood Way for greater neighborhood access and um, greater benefit to the community. So um, I understand, you know, all the public comment that we've received and the library does have a sense of urgency on this project. You all have made this a top priority by budgeting $15 million in this budget cycle. So we are actively monitoring and anxiously awaiting the results of those traffic studies. Thank you. Um, but I did want to thank all of the public for commenting on all of the different libraries, especially Ocean View. And I did ask that question so that everyone can understand what's taking so long and what our concern. We don't want to just make improvements or build a library without getting all of the groundwork first. So please be patient with us. But thank you very much for your comments. I'll just add on to that. Yeah, I think um, it's just extremely difficult because um, it feels like, uh, I think most people approaching this problem would try to force a very clear, okay, are we doing this or are we not type of conversation like now? And uh, that's difficult because like, you know, whatever decision you make either way, if you're going to build the thing, it's going to be there for decades after you, right? Um, and so 
Uh, yeah, we get the urgency. I mean, we, we talk about this all the time. Um, and uh, it is it is frustrating to see the timelines extend and extend and extend, but it's all in the spirit of um, getting to the, the, the uh, most correct decision that we can. Um, and so I'm just looking forward to what that ends up being for us. Can I respond to Commissioner Vice Absolutely, President Wong? Absolutely, please do. There is a difference between the Ocean View project and the two other projects. So when we initially commence uh, commissioned the branch library feasibility report, uh, these were all three slated to be renovations. And the Mission Branch Library and the Chinatown Branch Library, they exist. And there's a difference between constructing a brand new library and renovations. So initially, Ocean View was slated to be a renovation. It was fully funded. The community spoke loud and clear that that was not going to meet their needs. And at those early commission, at, at those earliest community meetings, you know, we certainly accepted the the community need and we embraced that, but we also communicated at the earliest stage that this will take longer. And I, I think we're we're still feeling the results of that today. And you know, we the Brotherhood Way site remains an option. And uh we're we're gonna we have time to do our due diligence concurrently as we continue to build this budget we can still survey formally the current real estate market. And, and that's another activity that we're doing while we're monitoring these traffic studies. We are going to work with the real estate division for the city. Um, you know, the Brotherhood Way site has a lot of positives, uh, most notably the fact that it is city-owned property. So that would solve for site acquisition and the cost associated with that. But that being said, while we're while we're monitoring these traffic studies, there is value in taking a fresh look at the Randolph Broad Street, the main corridor where public transit already exists, uh, where the current library is already cited. So we just want to do our due diligence, and I, I just want to echo uh, Commissioner Ono's sentiment that we appreciate the community's patience. Um, thank you so much. Any further comments from the commissioners? Um, I just want to conclude by saying, um, first of all, how grateful I am that the staff of the library really listened to the Ocean View community when it was time for a renovation to say, we hear you, It's that's just not going to be good enough, and that we are, as the commission, putting dollars forward as our sign of a commitment to that promise to make a new branch. It's just new projects take time to kind of find the right place. And so we hope um, the Ocean View branch exercises patience, but also, you know, we, we know that there's a fire to uh, under you to keep this going, and we're with you on that. Um, and so just in conclusion, I want to thank the team. I want to thank my fellow commissioners for this very, very good conversation. And I just want to end by saying we have three really exciting um, events coming up because of this, because of these different phases. 
In uh, June, we'll look forward to a groundbreaking celebration for the Mission Branch. And then in August, we'll have community meetings for the Chinatown Branch, and that will be a wonderful way to hear from the community about how that the new facility, the renovated facility, can create new programs and new opportunities. And then having design charrettes in the summer and fall for the Ocean View. So we are really advancing in all ways, and it's very exciting to be at this phase in um, each of these projects. And we're looking forward to several more years of advancement and celebrations ahead. So thank you to everybody. And so we are now done with this agenda item. And we will now move on to agenda item number four, which is the city librarian's report. Uh, so I turn it back to you, um, city librarian Michael Lambert. Thank you, President Wolf. We have a couple of presentations this evening, and I'm pleased to introduce our first presenter, Hilary Ake, our early literacy coordinator in our community programs and partnerships division. Uh, she's got a presentation this evening about Dia de los Niños, Dia de los Libros. Hillary, take it away. Thank you so much. Um, good evening, commissioners. My name is Hillary Ake, and I am the Early Learning Coordinator for the Community Programs and Partnerships Division of the San Francisco Public Library. I am excited to report back one of our beloved annual family events, Dia de los Niños, Dia de los Libros, which took place on Sunday, April 30th at Parque Niños Unidos in the Mission District. For a little background, Dia de los Niños, Dia de los Libros is a yearly celebration of children and books. Rooted in a Latin American tradition, it is a child-centered event with the goals of promoting literacy and unifying families of all cultures. San Francisco's first Dia de los Niños was in 1999, and each year the event grows in attendance and collaboration. This year marked the 24th anniversary of this event. Children and their families got to enjoy diverse performances, literacy-based activities, and the SFPL bookmobile. All families in attendance were able to select a free book to take home to build their at-home libraries. This year, we had a number of incredible community partners who provided activities for families. These community-based organizations provide vital services for the families of San Francisco. We also made an intentional effort to invite arts organizations to participate this year. Some new par partnerships included our Presida Eyes Muralists, the Mission Cultural Center for Latino Arts, and the San Francisco Youth Theater. One new partnership in particular that I wanted to highlight was with the Native American Health Center. Not only did they come to DIA with a fun activity for families and resources for the communities, but I worked with their program coordinator, Laura Cedillo, who helped SFPL curate a list of picture books by indigenous authors and illustrators to include in our book giveaway. The Native American Health Center helped us distribute these titles at DIA, and this is a new partnership that I hope to continue and grow. We had some wonderful cultural affirming performers, including Danza Azteca Sitlali Sholo, the music of La Familia Peña Govea, and Hernan Cortez, also known as Big Top Bubbles. 
One highlight I wanted to share um, was Danza Azteca Sitlali Sholo shared a friendship dance, which is a ceremonial dance to share what we are thankful for. And they invited all the children watching to participate in the dance. And it was just a really special moment, probably one of my favorites of the day. Um, it was very lovely and community centered um, and a lot of fun. Very cute. One of the best parts of Dia is the book giveaway. Um, studies have shown that when children have books at home, it increases their reading skills, vocabulary development, and overall academic success. Uh, our wonderful Mission Branch staff, I wanna give them a big shout out because they're really collaborate, collaborators with CPP in this um, event. Uh, the Mission Branch staff gave away uh, 1,000 books and all of these books were um, Spanish or Spanish English bilingual books. Um, three other organizations that day gave away books, uh, the Children's Book Project, Tandem Partners in Learning, and Jumpstart. So in total, 1,500 books were given away at this event. I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge um, the DIA Planning Committee. While SFPL takes the lead on organizing this event, there's an entire group of community-based organizations and city departments that meet monthly and then weekly um, to plan this event. And they are a group um, who are dedicated and passionate about serving children and understand the importance of literacy. Um, and they all have something special to offer. So I wanted to just thank them all and um, share that this event really can't happen without them. Also, it can't happen without so many departments within SFPL um, listed here. Um, it really takes a village to pull off an event of this scale and make DIA a success. Um, in the photo on this slide, I wanted to highlight my wonderful colleague, Jennifer Wu, and our youth intern, Brianna, who worked with us throughout the uh, spring, and she was instrumental that day um, at the event. Finally, I want to give a special thank you to Commissioner Lopez, who was at the event, and um, she pushed around the Librotero cart, which was full of free books, and it was a lot of fun to see the kids swarm <laughs> the cart and grab all the free books, so we really appreciate you being there to support the event. Um, and that concludes um, my report back of Dia de los Niños. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hillary. Congratulations. This was Hillary's first time coordinating this big community event in her role as early literacy coordinator. Well done. And thank you, Commissioner Lopez, as well. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have Hillary's boss, Christy Estrovitz, and she's going to tell us all about Summer Stride 2023. Good evening, Commissioners. It's been a joy to support Hillary in her new role and really see her thrive in building new relationships um, to present DIA. And we invite you to come and join us next year with Commissioner Lopez. <laughs> but I'm here to talk about Summer Stride. So good evening. I'm Christy Estrovitz, the Manager of Youth Services and Community Programs and Partnerships Division. And this is our annual summer learning campaign. So it's our annual and award-winning summer learning campaign that you have seen evolve over the many years. So I just want to tell you um, and, and really commend our summer learning committee that meets every Thursday of the year for an hour to really plan this program. So we are one week away from launching this. But I thought it might be interesting to share with you some of our internal goals that we think about and have at the 
top of our agenda every meeting so you can hear and um, know our, our understanding about this. So the first one is to inform and inspire staff with a community engagement focused program that prioritizes direct outreach and culturally relevant and joyful experiences that connect San Francisco youth, adults, and families with the library. So we hold that true and we are going to use, we are are using data to create targeted outreach and communication strategies focused to engage and increase participation from historically underserved communities, especially Black, Latino, Pacific Islander, and Indigenous youth, adults, and families, and all the rest of this stuff. But I really wanted you to know what we hold at every single meeting, and I hope that you see this in our campaign. So it starts next week. It runs all summer. It's for all ages, all abilities, all means. It's an inclusive program. It has a host of free events for all ages. It's a stellar, stellar lineup of in-person programs. Um, we are reintroducing field trips to the Presidio, Presidio Tinnitus, but also Alcatraz, two shuttles to Alcatraz, which means a shuttle to the ferry and then a ferry and back and then back to the library, but also Muir Woods and Point Bonita. So that is in um, honor and with funding from the Golden Gate National Recreation Area and their celebration of their 50th anniversary. Um, we have paid internships with our signature Yell um, program. Uh, chats are going on this week and placements will happen next week. And again, multiple outreach. And last year we had around just phenomenal success with our finishing survey and raffles. So we're introducing a monthly. Pre-pandemic, it was weekly, and we're not quite back to that yet. Maybe next year. Many of you know we have a strong partnership with Chronicle Books. This is our ninth year of partnership with Chronicle Books to commission an artist of a picture book that it's published by Chronicle um, and commission original art. And the stars really aligned this year as it does most years for us. But this is a particularly standout artist because this is Kay Feistiel. She was one of the first um, Brown Handler residents with the Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. She also mentored the next cohort. And her one of her picture books, her first one published by Chronicle Books, was actually written and, or sorry, illustrated inside the office of the Friends. So this, this, her books hold a very special place um, with the Friends and our library staff. Um, she now lives in Switzerland and she's coming to visit San Francisco and doing about nine different public events with us on the first two and a half weeks of June. So I definitely invite you to get to know her. Um, she has visited most, I think all of our libraries, our, our libraries are featured inside her books and her community is definitely living and breathing in her books. So she's had a lot of fun with this campaign for sure. And she's been a pleasure to work with. So as you know, there are two ways to track, a printed tracker or online on your mobile or your desktop with Beanstack, just like the past three years. Um, I want to point out that student engagement is critical when schools are closed for the summer, the library is wide open and we are active with partnerships. And this partnership has been building over the past couple of months. Our um, generous support of the budget and uh, generous work of the CTS department, they've ordered books and sent books to every single public elementary school and participating middle schools. So the teacher librarians are right now giving 
choice for the students to pick out a new book before they leave school and a custom bookmark that says, come visit your library for summer stride and get another free book. So that's our second year of doing that. And it's a real win-win. Um, teacher librarians have a long passion for summer stride and are active partners in getting kids excited about that and having giving them a resource, something they're excited to talk up. Um, it's just been a, a, a real, I, I guess a, a gesture of gratitude and goodwill. So we really thank them. Last week, over 50,000 students received the printed tracker in their mail, their home mailbox. Today, they received an email with their scholar card, their full access digital library card, and information about Summer Stride. You will notice the tracker that we sent to them also includes the curated book list. That's a collaboration by the teacher librarians and our public librarians. We've been doing that for over a decade now. Communications will continue through the summer through their family bulletin that goes right to the parents. So we have, we'll continue this all summer long. And you may be wondering what is the prize this year? Surprise, surprise, it is a tote bag. Um, so it's just 20 hours of reading, learning, listening, and library activities. You can earn it in a matter of days if you're a super user. Um, but their first day to get your tote that you cannot buy is on June 10th. So this is a, a great uh, image. Uh, KFI had a lot of fun with this. I heard the other day that it looks like um, it might be like a, a whale is devouring books and knowledge, or it might be spewing out knowledge. It's your take <laughs> on this. Um, but we're very excited um, to present this. I want to touch upon the importance of building home libraries. This is a, a quote that really resonated with me um, from the National Summer Learning Association, Eric Dworkin. Many of you know um, Director Davis from the Human Rights Commission. I presented the keynote last year at their, their conference. And the National Summer Learning Association really connects us with what's happening outside the library. Um, so I really value his take on the value of summer programs, which we put a lot of resources um, and staff development into doing this for youth and um, really celebrating the, the real privilege that we have in building home libraries during the summer. It is true that every time a student baby to to um, teens, every time they walk into the library this summer, they can get a free book. That's that's what our budget allows, and that's the capacity that we have. So um, we've been spreading that message and excited because the our community programs um, partners, when they hear that, they're like, what? Really? I was like, every day you come into the library, you can get a free book if you're a, um, a kid in San Francisco, maybe visiting too. <laughs> And so speaking of Director Davis, today we hosted our Everybody Reads workshop. Thank you, Michael, for coming down for this. As you know, this is our third annual partnership with the Human Rights Commission where our librarians select 10 books that are all um, BIPOC voices um, relevant to San Francisco and curate a literacy guide. All the activities are written and designed by Director Davis using her passion from her days as a um, a kindergarten teacher and really like her champion for literacy. Um, so we had an opportunity in the Children's Center to host a packed room of frontline providers um, and members from the Human Rights Commission and MoMagic 
to really have two hours of just deep learning about literacy activities, inspiring how to foster and create time with students this summer so they really feel connected to the stories and educators feel inspired by them. So I'm really grateful for her partnership to continue this. We um, earlier this week, actually my team and a host of part-time staff members have joined us in making the kits. So the, every single book that's featured in the literacy guide we have purchased and it we're, we've been making briefcase boxes for the past week. We've just finished 1,500 of these that have the books. They have the literacy guide. They have scissors. They have a new glue stick. I have a colored pencil set and a notebook, like a real like kit ready to go open and play and be creative. So we'll be working with um, the Human Rights Commission to distribute those into CBOs um, with service providers who attended today's training. So it was nice to be able to give a couple out today. And new this summer, our bookmobiles are are all you know all about outreach, and they have created a new summer schedule. So they're going to be in four different parks every Monday, Thursday, Mondays and Thursdays um, this summer. So they'll be going to where camp groups naturally congregate, and being providing activities and access to collections. So we're really excited about this partnership with Rec and Park, um, and really pumped that our children's bookmobile is is up for this. So I'll be curious to see the data and impact there. These are a handful of our partners. Um, I would say our most important, most important partner is the Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. We are continually grateful for their commitment to summer learning and being, um, they fund 99% of this program. We could not do it without their generosity and their advocacy for summer learning experiences. With that, I want to invite you all to sign up on June 1st. Join us in uh, summer learning. I think it's going to be our best yet. Thank you for your attention. Yeah, Summer Start is almost here. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Christy. And I just want to take a moment to recognize you for your leadership. Summer Stride is really Christy's creation and her labor of love over many, many years now. And it has just gotten better and better every year. She continues to innovate the program, the partnership with the National Park Service, the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, Chronicle Books, having a new illustrator and author every year. This is all Christy's brainchild, and she has made the magic happen. So thank you so much, Christy. And that concludes the City Librarian's Report. Um, thank you so much. I just, uh, time flies and it's like, we're already, it's already the next summer stride. It is always, it's a, it's a marker in all of our lives. Um, so thank you so much for that presentation. Before we open it up for commission discussion and questions, um, we're going to open it up to public comment. We'll begin here in Corette Auditorium and then move to our participants on WebEx. So uh, public comment is now open um, um, regarding item number four, the city librarian's report. So it's open here and correct. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004. 
at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. Thank you very much for the presentations. Uh, I always appreciate hearing about presentations and especially when they have to do with that four-letter word that we don't otherwise hear that much having to do with books. Uh, let me say that I really appreciate the illustration uh, that we have on tiny page 48. Lots of people doing all kinds of stuff, interacting with books and uh, with uh, writing, with a book cart, with a bookcase that's full of books, uh, and so on and so forth. It looks like some people are also writing and drawing. Somebody is looking at a laptop and so on and so forth. That's terrific. I would say that I would compare that rather unfavorably and sadly with something I commented on previously, this rather forlorn group of people on page 27. If you look on page 27, you see a bunch of people at completely empty tables. They're sitting rather forlornly, not doing anything, not interacting with anything. Um, and frankly, if this is the historic reading room of the, uh, well, Let's just leave it at that. And there are other images where, for example, on the rooftop, there's no reading going on, no place to read, no books to read, and so on and so forth. Um, I do think that that raises also a question about the importance and the qualities of actual books. And I think that I'm beginning to feel ever more strongly as I experience things and read about things that ebooks are not the equivalent of books. Uh, for one thing, there's an interesting thing that you uh, mentioned on a little plaque in the earlier presentation, um, which talks about things disappearing, but that written things don't disappear. And the fact is that things disappear a lot more easily when they're online or when they're virtual. The pages disappear, the items disappear, and the whole thing might disappear uh, for any number of reasons. But when you have a book, you have something definite, you have something solid. There are studies that show that people retain the information better when they're actually interacting with a physical book. Books have different sizes, different shapes, uh, different thicknesses. Uh, there's a whole range of an experience of a book that is rich in ways that the electronic book is not. Not to say there is no point in having ebooks, but let's just appreciate and value the physical books. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any further public comment here in Corret Auditorium? Good evening, commissioners. My name is Marcial, and I just want to say that I'm part of the SFPL staff with CPP, or Community Partnerships and Programming, or the other way around. I never say it right. I've been with them for two years. Yikes. Hmm. But anyways, what I want to say about Summer Stride is that I used to be an original kid power, which was what the volunteers were called way back when, about like 40 years ago. So... <laughs> Now you all know my age. But anyways, what I want to say is working with this team and just how great it makes the library connect with our community. Right now we're doing book bundling. I've only gone down for one shift, sorry. But we are putting out 
these great books, these great packages with STEM kits, and there's just so much, and I'm so proud of being part of this team. And I just want you guys to know that when Summer Strike comes around, I'm always like, ah, I don't wanna do anything. But then I see this and I'm like, this is so cool. And I was part of it from the jump. So thank you for being here. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, any further public comment here in Corette? Seeing no further public comment here in Corette, we'll turn to our um, viewers on WebEx. Um, operations, if there is anybody in the queue, could you please put them forward? Thank you. Madam President, there is currently one caller in the queue. I will put them through now. Caller Matt, your three minutes begin now. Uh, may I first confirm that I can be heard? You can be heard, Matt. Terrific, thank you. Thank you, commissioners, for the opportunity to public comment. This is Matt Keniston. As a member of the board of the Friends of the San Francisco Public Library, I'm delighted to see how some of the over $1 million of committed programmatic support approved by the board is being used to extend the reach of the San Francisco Public Library and to deliver on Friends' mission to strengthen, support, and advocate for a premier public library system in San Francisco. I wanted to take a moment to recognize the extraordinary degree of organization that's required by library staff to pull off events like DIA and Summer Stride. I'd like to also encourage the teams at the library to always consider including the terrific ecosystem of independent bookstores in San Francisco to further the objective of improving literacy and infusing a love for stories for all San Franciscans. Owners of independent bookstores share the library's passion for community engagement through their operation of brick and mortar stores in neighborhoods, and they do not consider the San Francisco Public Library as a competitor. I'm really looking forward to supporting my children earning their summer stride tote bags this summer, and then using them to carry home books from independent bookstores like Green Apple Books and Blackbird Books and many, many others in my neighborhood and around the city. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Madam President, at this time, there are no other callers in the queue. Thank you very much, Operations. Hearing that there are no further comments in the queue on WebEx, um, public comment on item number four, um, the City Librarian's report is now concluded. And we now turn um, our attention to uh, Commission comments and questions. Commissioner um, Lopez Garaducci. Yeah, Lomax Garaducci. I knew it. We're good. I just want to say um, a really wonderful um, city librarians report. Um, all of it, all of it is growing. All of us is all of it is us developing um, in a time of uh, seeming scarcity, while there's also a lot of abundance. And those two things, you have to hold both of them at the same time. So. Um, I just want to acknowledge um, all of us um, that are trying to um, be stewards of this uh, critical public mission um, and to do it in a way um, that um, is faithful 
um, and as righteous to to fulfill the mission. The other thing that I want to say is that I just want to just continue to lift up Christy um, and the work that she continues to do, um, the relationship with the Human Rights Commission um, and all the other partnerships is what makes this happen. And so thank you so much, Christy. Um, and thank you for um, all the ones that have are grown up into this um, uh, program. I was downstairs. Um, I, I arrived a little bit early, so I got a chance to see the box, um, and I saw the assembly line. It's it's uh, pretty quite fabulous, um, and the books and the materials and the STEM kit and all of it is just outstanding. So thank you so much. Thank you very much, Commissioner Lomax Carducci. That was, that was wonderful. Uh, any further, oh, uh, Commissioner Lopez? Um, I just want to echo that, um, you know, thank you for all the work. Uh, we oftentimes take for granted that their kids do, that their parents cannot buy books for them, that having a free book makes the day for them, that they live in uh, family households that um, maybe books were, you know, was a luxury. And when you see events like this and when you participate, um, it's not just, you know, like the disbelief of some parents, like you're giving this free, like I can take it. I have three kids and each of them can get one. Is when we're start, we're, we, we start seeing the, you know, that equity is, still something relevant and important thanks to the friends because I know that um, many many of these books uh, are donated and are purchased through the funds um, I enjoy the Dia de los Niños I have volunteered for it when I was at Dolores Park so uh, pretty windy but it's it's really nice um, and I just need to get active. So I just, you know, besides it was fun uh, to have the little cart. Um, but let's all, I think that we, we still need to remember that there's neighborhoods that, you know, this programs like Summer Strike, like Dia de los Niños, and the many ones that we offer uh, make a significant difference um, that we cannot, you know, um, I often hear, well, the libraries are there and, and that's great because the libraries are in every neighborhood, but when we take the libraries to the people, that's when we make a difference. So I just want to, you know, uh, for me is, is an honor to, to be at events. I wish I could go to a lot of the events, uh, but with the work that you do and the impact that you're doing to a lot of BIPOC families um, is is going to make a difference. It is making a difference. So thank you. Um, thank you so much, Commissioner um, um, uh, Lopez. Lopez. I'm just. I'm, 
going to say Lomax. Anyway, Commissioner Lopez, I really, I think we all, all of us fellow commissioners, thank you for what you did to um, participate. And you looked really good pushing that cart. And um, <laughs> um, I thought maybe there was ice cream in it, but I think, um, but I love that it was full of books and because those that lasts a lot longer. But really seriously, we really appreciate your dedication and commitment and making the time to really participate and help make a difference. Um, as we conclude the meeting today, I just want to say that um, all of these rich discussions just really reinforce why books matter, why outreach matters, and why, why we need our branch libraries to be in the best shape possible to be these beacons of hope and um, access and uh, learning. And so it's a wonderful uh, summer stride kind of pulls that all together about kids recognizing the power of the, the branch in their neighborhood and having um, books for the family. So, Christy, not only do you do great work, but you inspire so many members of the team to join you and participate because it's not even possible that you could do it all. But somehow you really do inspire everybody. I don't get to see you, but I know you're over there. Um, thank you. So I just want to thank you for your leadership um, to really um, keep reinventing and reimagining what is needed and um, working so closely with so many partners to really make this citywide. And uh, uh, another call out to the friends for really allowing us to um, have the staff do the best that we can be and um, be a model for um, communities all around the country. So thank you again to, um, to everyone. So now we move to the adjournment um, portion of the meeting, um, uh, item number um, five, and um, we will open it up for public comment before commission discussion on this item. So if there's anyone here in correct, we will um, take your public comment and then move to those participating via WebEx. Yes, this is Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com, and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California 94117-0544. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'd like for you to install again, as you used to have, and as many bodies currently have, uh, quite sensibly so, uh, an item on the agenda, not to adjourn until you insist on having an item on the agenda that uh, gives you the chance to talk about what you would like to see on future agenda items. For example, we heard Commissioner Bolander talk about details, wanting more details. Well, how about having a future meeting which gets into some or all of the details that he is interested in? I think that's very worthwhile. We're talking about what he called $13 million. Uh, I saw that the Ocean View estimate went from 20 million to 47 million. That's a lot more than 13. There was also a, a $10 million increase in the budget for Chinatown. Where did those come from, why, and so on and so forth? More information would be very helpful. I was also glad to hear that the city librarian went to the site to actually go and see what the traffic lo uh, traffic looks like and what it's like to cross there. And uh, I agree with him completely that for seniors and kids and probably anybody else, 
uh, it's harrowing to cross. Uh, he did mention that he went there during rush hour, and I don't know how fast traffic was moving. I certainly went there at least once during the daytime. And one of the really harrowing things is, whether you're a senior or not, as far as I'm concerned, is the complexity of the intersection. Multiple, pretty much freeway-like things going. And mostly, most important is that there's a curve in the road where fast-moving cars, when you're wanting to step into the roadway, in midday are zipping along at quite considerable speeds. You can't see them, and they can't see you when you're stepping out from what's invisible when they're behind that curved wall and zipping along at 35, 45, or whatever miles per hour. I, I would like to know what the details are of the studies that you have talked with uh, the folks and what exactly are they going to study, what times are they going to view, and so on and so forth. Um, with respect to details, I would like to say that uh, right now and when I came in, there were hardly any and it was hardly anything left in the back. There was no agenda and no agenda packet. Uh, that's the part where you have democracy. That's where the part where you have public participation and a welcome feeling for folks to come in when we're talking about tens of millions of dollars. I think there ought to be enough supply for everybody. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for your public comment. Any further public comment here in Corette? Uh, seeing that there is no further comment here, we will turn to operations. If there's anyone on WebEx participating via WebEx who would like to make public comment, could you please put them forward? Madam President, at this time, there are no commenters in the queue. Thank you very much, operations. Seeing that there's no further public comment, um, we will now uh, turn this to the um, commission. And um, would someone like to make a motion to adjourn the meeting? So moved. Um, someone like to second that? I second. So we have Vice President Huang making a, a motion and a second from Commissioner Lopez to adjourn the meeting. And I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf? Aye. Vice President Wong? Aye. Commissioner Ono? Aye. Commissioner Lomax Giarduzzi? Aye. Commissioner Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Bolander? Aye. The motion passes unanimously. Um, this meeting is now adjourned. Thank you very much for everyone's participation.